Liberty Hawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Welcome into the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alpstead, here with Keith Myers, and we're talking Seahawks football. And welcome into the show, Keith. I'm really glad you're here to talk football because, you know, it hasn't been the best best day for me, Keith. I, I sent you a picture earlier, and you just saw how miserable I was. Yeah, you looked, you looked absolutely miserable out there on the golf course um, in the middle of the day, you know, with all that sun. I, I don't know how you, how you made it through it. Oh. I'm still there right now. <laughs> it was it was wonderful. I mean, I haven't played for, you know, a, a, over a month, which is tough in Arizona because every corner there's a golf course. And um, but it was nice to get out there and uh, did the whole solo thing, met up with, with two or three other folks that were out there trying to do the same thing I was, which was just kind of uh, put everything away for uh, four or five hours and, and get out there and, and hit the ball. And I did OK. I, I, I pretty much nailed my kind of my average, which is not, not great, but that's okay for me. Cause uh, you know, I'm, I'm just having fun. So yeah. Yeah. Is, don't you think it's weird that, that, uh, there's so many golf courses in the state that has almost no water. Yeah. And there, and people <laughs> complain about it and, and it's really bad right now too, because of the influx of, um, immigration that the country or that the the state has not i'm not talking about outside the country immigration i'm talking about migration from other states Mm -hmm. and um everybody's just really on edge about the water thing because there's a legit water shortage coming up um because of the lack of rain for you know uh quite a few years in a row now and so and then the golf courses you're right they suck up all the water and some of them are pretty decent about it in the summertime where they let things go a little bit more and they charge less, you know, to, to get on cause it's so darn hot. Um, but something's got to give, I just don't see how it's a sustainable system. Yeah. They've got to reuse water or something. I don't know, like require golf courses to reuse water or not have as much grass and, and reduce the, the you know, narrow, narrowness or width of the fairways or whatever it is, but something's. Well, that was one of the things when I lived down there is that the courses were going to more of a desert course feel mm-hmm. where it was, you know, there were landing areas and you had yes. to hit your spots because if you missed your spot, you were um, out in the cactus and right. rock and. And you're not going to so, <laughs> yeah, so you you were... find your ball. And you don't want to go find your ball either with all the. Yeah, you don't want to. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of that. And then, yeah, there were places that were using, um, you know, gray water. Um, mm-hmm. So partially treated, yeah. um, you know, sewer water and, and, and using that to keep everything green and they what they had to do. But that was, you know, more than a decade ago and it's only gotten worse. So, so how about you? I spent the whole day at work. Um, Except for we're looking at pictures of you out on the golf course. That you I, just, I had that to send thing. one or two, you know. Sorry. As I'm Sorry running around that. at work and I'm like, I, 
I'm going to have to kill Bill later. <laughs> so um, today's show, we're going to do uh, kind of go around the NFC and look at um, look at the other teams in pretty decent depth. And um, we're going to have a conversation about Julio Jones. Like everybody's talking about Julio Jones. The trade rumors are out there. Um, Atlanta's uh, definitely, it appears to be moving on from Julio Jones. Julio Jones has kind of come out in a, iffy recording they probably should not have put him on live if they didn't tell him he was going to be live but he indicated that he didn't want to be back he's as good as gone basically and there's been like 20 teams associated with acquiring julio jones seattle is one of them although uh there's a distinction with seattle in that it was nationally reported um that seattle has been in discussions with atlanta um, to trade for Julio Jones. And so that kind of sets them apart from, you know, probably 18 of those other teams. There's two or three uh, mentioned kind of in the same breadth as, as Seattle in that. And let's start the conversation there, Keith, with regards to the immediate news of this week of, of Seattle being at least in, in the game to, to acquire him. And I have mixed feelings about this. I kind of wrote a little piece and put it on our website a couple days ago about Julio Jones. And does it really make sense for the Seahawks to be seriously considering that move given uh, a couple of the other, maybe you could perceive as roster holes remaining. And then uh, what the, the talent pool looks like in the wide receiver room and at tight end and, and so forth playmakers, um, which Seattle really, I mean, it would be a kind of a luxury acquisition to me if Julio Jones came, obviously it would make us a little better and it would kind of stack that wide receiver room pretty, pretty well. I mean, probably the best wide receiver room in the NFL, but is it necessary to get Seattle to the Super Bowl versus maybe acquiring a, a, a starting caliber corner of say Stefan Gilmore's um, caliber or Richard Sherman or bringing back KJ Wright, um, you know, a few other moves that, that Seattle could make that, that might put them in a Super Bowl conversation, even get them even further. And so I want your take, like Keith, where do you stand on Julio Jones? I know how you feel about him as a player, but how do you feel about him as a potential Seahawk? Um, well, so you're talking about one of the top five receivers in the league, a guy that's been regularly, uh, just generally concerned, considered probably the top two, um, until he had an, uh, a last year where he was injured a bunch. Um, and, uh, but he's still probably top five and you're talking about getting a guy that's you compare 32 that years to what, old as well. You, you could look at what they're paying um, Tyler Lockett, and mm-hmm. you're going to be paying him about the same. Yeah, he's 32, and you're getting him for a couple, of, but you're getting him for a couple of years, and then he's done. And um, yeah, I think yeah, he's I making mean, what 15.2 this year, but his cap number goes down into the nine. Yeah, nine the year range after. the year after. So there is some room there to kind of finagle that contract if you wanted to and um but mm-hmm. how does he fit like oh and, and what's he, and okay so let's, let's let's split this into three conversations trade compensation okay uh salary requirements 
and how does okay. he fit in the in the cap and then where does he fit on the roster and 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 if so if if he does come on board are you involving a, a, a player to be traded back and is that player another wide receiver or uh, does he fit in the current uh, roster of wide receivers on the roster so okay let's start with that right well no let's start let's start with the salary and, and compensation because that we have to get him here before we have to realize what it's going to take um 15 million of for cap stuff is really not a um it, it's not that much for a guy of that player of that caliber you could you um, could put this on russell wilson be you know russell wilson's come out and said hey julio on the phone I would love to have you on my team. I'd love to throw the football to you. Um, so let's ask Russell Wilson to guarantee himself into Seattle by restructuring his contract, freeing up some cap space, and and putting the whole Russell Wilson rumor thing to bed, as well as acquiring a player for him. That mm-hmm. makes sense to me on, on a number of different levels. Yeah. Um, and so, like, right now, they're sitting at, at seven and a half. Um of cap space. So they would have to do something, but Wilson or Wagner would be the two guys that Mm -hmm. they haven't touched or Dwayne Brown. Um, those Mm -hmm. are the guys they haven't touched and, uh, could, or maybe you get, or you move a a player or you get Jamal, a Jamal Adams, uh, extension done and lower his cap number. I mean, there's lots of ways to make this happen or yeah, or you move a player. And I would expect the stuff that I've read is that, um, Two and a player mm-hmm. might get it done so depending on the player. And a player. Um, or maybe, you know, two of five and a player if it's not as So we're going into next year without that. a first round pick already. It's, it's so. approaching a compensation level for the actual, not the, the, the pay, but the trade value that we would have to give up. <clears throat> Assets uh, gets to be approaching an unworkable situation for me when we're talking about a two and a five and a player. Yeah. See, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't consider that. I mean, yeah, it would be great to have more draft capital next year, but you're talking about getting a couple years of an absolutely legit, uh, guy making your starting quarterback happy, getting him to sign on to for a number of years, rather than having all this nonsense going off next year. Um, you put all those things together and it's worth it. What, You're do you, about, what do you do uh, with playing time catches attempts? Okay. So, so as far as that, um, so yeah, the trade compensation of a two, a five and a, and a player like Cody Barton do it. I would do it but, if, a, if a two was in 2023 for sure. If it was a 2022 second, I would try to make the fifth it, contingent. Then it would be, and then a, I would make it, it a 2023 as well. Cause that way the pain is spread out a little there, bit. Yeah, but so it would have probably have to be a 2022 third and then a 2020 a 2020 2022 third and then a 2023 second. Oh, because that's every too much. every He's, every year you go forward. Old. Every year you go forward uh, when you start going out consider it a round lower. So that second round I, uh, I understand pick, that, but I'm, I, I was debating on the fifth third round pick, pick to begin with. So now I'm in I'm in the definitely unquestionably this trade becomes just almost too expensive for me. I don't understand that how that, how it's how it's too expensive well, because, for a guy that's uh, you're paying the, the player, best. so that you're you're inheriting a contract. 
you're you're trying to integrate this new player. I know it's Julio Jones. I know it's Russell Wilson. But you're trying to integrate the player into a new offense and get him synced up with Russell Wilson. And that he's 32 years old. He'll be 33 next year. Um. And you, you just drafted into the second round. You went and got Eskridge. So you've got Lockett. You've got Metcalf. You've got Eskridge. You've got Swain. You've got Everett as a tight end pass catching. You've got Parkinson. You've got some running backs that can catch the ball out of the backfield. you got Dizzley. Okay, so- what do you need? Like, Would you rather have Julio Jones for a second and a third and possibly a player or would you rather have like Richard Sherman and KJ Wright to complete your defense? Um, I'd rather have Julio Jones. And here's why. Julio Jones coming to this team that's already got two elite guys and some depth. So that's all they've got. They've got two elite guys and some depth. Um, and You're none of the depth is correct. none of the depth is proven. that good. Eskridge has has some talent. He's but yeah. Well, let's see him, let's see him produce on the field. Um, so you got two elite guys and some depth. What happens if one of the elite guys get hurt? Yeah, you can make that argument almost any position group in the team. True, but quarterback. You you, you almost injury proof. Um, Left tackle. The the passing game, Corner. with the exception of 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 Russell Wilson. Um, so you almost injury proof that because if Julio gets hurt, you still got the other two guys. The last two years, Lockett's gotten hurt and the offense has fallen off. Um, so, okay, so this next year, if they get Julio, Lockett gets hurt. Guess what? Offense keeps rolling. The other thing is with that much talent on at receiver, teams are going to look at, they're going to look at Seattle and they really go, if we don't score 30 points, we can't win. So their game plan is going to be set around um, trying to keep up with Seattle's offense. Each, yeah. Getting a guy like Julio. Now, the offense is still going to be really good if they don't. Um, but Top getting a guy like Julio don't. and adding him to the that mix, it puts the onus on the defense. That's a um, lot of pressure to put on a defense. I will admit they, that. And they'll just be like, you know. And so the other teams are going to go, our defense will give up points. We can't not. It's just too good, too much talent over there. We have to change what we do to try and keep up. And so now they're throwing deep more. Now they're taking more chances. Now you're giving yourself an opportunity to go get more interceptions um, or some strip sacks, more sacks. Just you're, you're, you're creating things for your defense by forcing them to do something. The other team to do something different offensively. Are there any other holes on the team besides wide receiver where you could make that argument that you made with regards to, if a player goes, we're kind of in trouble. I mean, could you say that about corner? I mean, I know there's depth there, Keith, but is there starting caliber depth? It, well, what about okay, linebacker but thing, but, beyond but who, where's, Jordan where, Brooks? Where's and the Wagner? where where's the biggest impact going to be? Right, the passing game. Yeah, but there's only so many balls to go around. Doesn't matter. It's not about um, receptions for each player. It's about. Uh, yards per game and you know yards per attempt um getting julio raises that because it just take you get a guy like you get julio and you put him opposite dk metcalf you put uh lock it in the slot and nobody's blitzing 
<laughs> so now Wilson's got yeah. more time. Well, he, the, the weird thing getting... is you just opened up your running game and your, your spread offense. Yeah. And so you just, it just makes everything better. Um, sometimes I will you give can... you the fact that Seattle would end up being a, a top two or three offense in the NFL. If Julio Jones yeah. came and was healthy and was fully integrated. I mean, a lineup of Lockett, Metcalf and Jones with Eskridge doing some really cool underneath stuff and some end around stuff, some, you know, some wide bubble screens and all that kind of stuff. That would be a potent offense. You had Gerald Everett and Disley into that thing with Penny receiving the ball out of the backfield. Oof. I mean, yeah. that's an offense you can't stop because exactly. the double team situation, like any one of those wide receivers is capable the top yeah. four wide receivers are capable of breaking away, creating separation and operating in space, which is the entire so, design of the offense. And so last year, um, Metcalf, especially once Lockett got hurt, um, Metcalf was drawing double teams on every play. And the Seahawks couldn't dictate to the defense to make them get out of that alignment. And they kept trying to throw it long. And they kept trying to throw it long anyway. Um, but they could not dictate to the other team to get them out of that alignment, partly because they couldn't run the ball worth a damn, and partly because, well, they didn't have anyone. You, now, you stick another top receiver like Julio Jones over there, you can't double both of them. You just can't. There's just not enough players on the field. Um, so last year, so, Julio Jones played nine games. He had 51 yeah. receptions for 700-plus yards and three touchdowns. But that was... Mm -hmm you know, a low since his rookie season, basically. Um, yeah. He's, but those numbers extrapolated over 16 to 17 games is his career average, you know, plus yeah. more, a few more touchdowns. He's still that player, you know. It's going to be 100, 100, 120, um, or no, sorry, um, 120 targets for uh, 98 um, receptions, yards about, 1200 so if if you know five or six touchdowns Lockett and Metcalf and jones evenly split all of the opportunities each one is going to be slightly reduced from where they were probably at last year at least as far as the trajectory jones was on so yeah, so now it, you're going to get Lockett and Metcalf matter? below a thousand yards you're going to get below what? 80 receptions what does that do to their egos on trying to make all this wit. I, um, now you're, you're, I know what you're saying. Uh, no, if they I, win I, the I Super Bowl, it doesn't care. matter, right? If they win. It doesn't win the Super Bowl. You go out there and, and you're scoring 35 points a game, and it's like, oh, no, I'm only averaging, you know, 6.2 catches a game instead of 7.1. Oh, my God, it's so terrible that we're scoring 35 points a game. N they won't care. They won't care. None of them are in a contract year. The only time the receivers would care about that is if they're in a contract year and they were desperately trying to show that they were an elite player and a worth an elite paycheck. I think that the big thing here too is that it would automatically, almost in my mind, it would automatically take Russell Wilson, the Russell Wilson situation off the table because there yeah. is just no way that he could go anywhere else with this kind of lineup. Yeah. And, and and so his, you know, there's lots of different uh, different components to the Russell Wilson thing. But the fact that he can, he, he, he's like, hey, Julio, come, come, come to Seattle. And the Seahawks went and did what they had to do to get him. 
And not only are they're going to go to Russ and they're going to be like, okay, we can get him, but we need help from you so we can move some money around to make sure we can fit him under the cap. Okay, but that makes trading you next year impossible. You okay with that? Good, let's do it. Um, and so it does. It takes the Russell Wilson uh, issue off the table, keeps him happy, and it it injury proofs um, the passing game next year. And honestly, sometimes you can uh, get a bigger effect by reinforcing a strength than filling a hole. Uh, because you can make the offense so good that ha- having a little bit of a talent deficit at corner is not going to matter as much. You know, I'm, I'm sneakily as you know, and, and the longer I become a fan, the more I become a, a big, big fan of the defense. Um, stopping the ball, inflicting your will on a team, all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> I'll have to, I have to admit the, the prospect of, that offense with Julio Jones um, is just off the chart as far as the excitement level. I mean, everyone's just going to be pining to, to get a, a ticket to that stadium to watch that show because that is a show mm-hmm. and that would be super fun. And you're not willing to give up a second round pick to make that happen. <sighs> It's a difficult decision because I do feel like we're a corner away. I do feel like KJ Wright should be had if it's only going to be for two and a half million dollars. I do, do believe that, that they can do the KJ Wright thing. Anyway. I do believe that Julio Jones is 32 years old. I believe that he's going to want some sort of an extension possibly. I think that Adams needs to get paid. I think that DK Medcalf is wanting to be paid next year when he's in a, in the ballpark for a, 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 a probably a league setting extension at wide receiver. And so I do realize that there's a lot of cap space coming up next year. And they did kind of create a, a ceiling of that of like 208 or $209 million next year, which is actually lower than it would have been had the cap gone up this year as normal. It would have gone up to that rate this year. Um, so they're kind of falling behind, but nonetheless, it, it does open it up a little bit. Next year, I think Seahawks will end up probably having close to $60 million, but that's going to get eaten up really quick. Yeah, see, the thing is, you trade for Julio now. Um, a year from now, from now, his contract... Uh, first of all, there's no dead money. And it, but you pick a player up in a trade, there's no dead right. money on it. Atlanta so really can, has to eat a lot of dead cap space in this yeah. deal. So you got to move... Um, you can move him at any point. Um, if he comes in and is, is plays, like a, plays like a guy who's on the way down and, and, you know, um, mm-hmm. not going to be who he once was, you can move on in a year. You can save that 9 million in captures. Yeah. Can he's got, I think next him, year, I think he's out of that team. 9 million next year, I believe only two and a half is guaranteed. Yeah. So he's, you could in fact cut him if you had to, but. And there's, there's 20 teams that want him that, that have inquired <laughs> about him now. True. Um, yeah. You don't think you don't think that there's still going to be eight left next year? Even, a year even from if now? he has a subpar year, yeah, I, well, yeah. I agree. So okay, so you trade him for a sec, you trade a second for him, and then a year from now you go, ah, it wasn't or you know, you, we're not getting out of it what we thought we would. Let's go send him out. and We get a, a third or a fourth back. 
the thing with being in a competition with, you know, let's just say it's not 20 teams, but it's six teams or five teams. Being in a competition for a player for five teams where the, the highest bidder wins is not a great position to be in if you're the Seahawks. Um, so let's talk about the sweetener. Not a, let's talk about the sweetener. A, it's not a great position for any of let's the say teams you're, that are Let's in say there. you're right, and that's the second round pick. I, they, they want a first. That seems unlikely. Let's say it's a second. Let's say you sweeten it with a fifth, but they also want a player. Let's talk about a couple players that the Seahawks might um, make available to sweeten the deal. Rasheem Green. Yeah, you know, uh, here's the thing. Okay, let's talk about those two players first. Um, Here's the thing about Atlanta. They need pass rushers. So I'm not sure that they would want Rasheem Green, but he would be... uh, he would be put forth onto the to the docket from Seattle as part of a trade, I, I believe. I, okay. I think so that there's another of, player on the roster that they would want instead. So if you're if you're uh, if you're Seattle and you're negotiating with Atlanta, and I know what player you're going to say, um, and you come in with um, a second and a fifth and Rasheem Green, and they said no, mm-hmm. they want this other player, and you go, okay, it's going to be a fifth and Alton Robinson. Mm-hmm. And then the second comes in a year from now. Conditional. And, it, and is conditional, and we, it might be a third if Julio ends up doing nothing. Okay, I'm still game. And Alton Robinson is an incredible talent. Mm-hmm. Um, at, that I, I just, yeah, I see Yeah, you nailed him. the player I was thinking about. And, yep. and, and that scenario it's, makes a little bit more sense because... I don't think Rasheem Green is going to get a deal done. And I think Alton Robinson would. Mm-hmm. In and fact, it, Alton Robinson might be at this situation as a player where you could get a second and Alton Robinson and skip the fifth. It might be. I mean, he really, his stats were not like, you know, stellar. Um, but, but he didn't tape, have the any. Tape on, he only played 17% of the snaps. Yeah. The tape from him was fantastic as a pass rusher. Um, and he doesn't look like run? a guy like mm. um, Benson Mayoa, where Mm-mm. if you you couldn't, I don't think that you could run him down yet. You know, he's he's yep. a player that could give you 65 to 70% of the snaps at yep. a strong side linebacker Leo spot and, and quite possibly big enough and stout enough to play, you know, the five tech. Yeah, I think that he's a guy that, and he he really flashed. His tape is much better than his stat um, line looks. And he just didn't get a lot of didn't get a lot of playing time. Didn't get a lot of run. And that's because his run defense wasn't great. Um, but there's going to be value there if they if if Atlanta has watched the tape at all, they're going to like him. So it it would make it even more important for Taylor to be available and to play well this year because that. Yeah. takes away a, a strength of, of your team and turns it in not not necessarily takes it completely away but it does diminish because i think all of us have talked about robinson maybe emerging this year with seven or eight sacks on a mm-hmm. on a somewhat larger rotational role and that's gone so that's a that's a fairly decent compensation i think well, you've still got Dunlap on that side. You've still got um, Mayo on that side. And you've got Daryl Taylor um, on that side of the line. So you, you've you actually got 
depth there um, to, you know, to kind of, you're, you're losing a talented player who's young, has upside, and could be part of the team long term mm-hmm. and be a big portion um, of, you know, that rotation. because yeah, Benson Mayo is going to go away. You could have Alton Robinson and Taylor over there, and that would, that would create a nice tandem. Yeah, and so so you end up um, so his his value is not just okay. He's going to give you you know seven or eight sacks this year. It's that he's going to give you seven eight sacks for the next three years. Um, and so you that's that's what you're losing. Um, and he's he's a hard player to, to 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 do that. But at the same time, you're taking about a guy who flashed on tape and has talent but has he dropped in the fifth round because of considerable off-field concern let's say if it's it's let's say seattle balks at that and it's just too much of a um too much of a price that seattle's willing to pay give me an you mentioned cody barton give me you know another name besides cody barton that because i don't know that cody would get it done you know not a rotational linebacker i don't know that that has a lot of value now he's great in special teams there's value with that mm-hmm. but there's no guarantee that he was going to come in and start especially with taylor dropping back into the strong side it looks like he would start so um give me another player um man that's harder lj collier yeah that, that would be another one who who um his name will come up. Is there anybody on offense? Is there a wide receiver that you would trade as part of a sweetener? And it probably um, is not going to, Swain's probably not going to get it done. Nope. There's the top, right? So the top three, the current would you top trade three, Eskridge, Dwayne, Lockett. And, would you trade D. Eskridge and okay. a fifth round pick? He, I don't believe he can be traded right now. Okay. That's a good clarification. I, I totally forgot about that stuff. So players can be can be traded um, after they've been selected, right? Think about the Eli Manning situation um, until they sign their contract, and then I believe you have to wait. There's a certain number of games before you can trade them because anytime someone signs a contract, um, like if you're a free agent and you sign with a new team, um, you can't they can't turn around and instantly trade you. I think it's an eight game uh, an eight game window. Um, God, if if, now, if, trade, uh, if we had had a kid like Forsyth, Forsyth in in camp last year, and he was ready to go this year, you could trade Dwayne Brown straight across almost for Julio Jones. Or, yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, that's that is that's the type of thing that you'd look at. Um, I would say that you're on offense. They're going to ask about Dion Lewis. No, um, they're going to ask about DK Metcalf, and you need to start laughing. No, oh, sure. Uh, oh gosh. <laughs> Yeah, that's, they're not even on the same planet right now. Nope. Um, they might ask about Rashad Penny. Hmm. You know, you Seattle might pull the trick on, uh, trigger on that deal and worry about just fill, backfilling that spot because they've got a couple of guys, undrafted guys that are competing, and there's probably plenty of guys out there still on the market that you could bring in just to fill, Yeah. Uh, you know, 100 carries a year type of a guy. Well, yeah, and you look at, you, we're, we're going to do this, you know, round the, the NFC West here um, when we're done with this discussion and look across between, um, the, you know, the Rams and the 49ers and the, the kind of, I mean, 
the Rams now have acres, but um, until he took over that spot, they they've got a bunch of a bunch of also ran mm-hmm. guy. I mean, Mozart is a guy that's been cut a lot of times or whatever, and all of a sudden, right. you know, he's like the starter. Well, for they they picked up Trey Sermon in the draft. I think that's an undervalue, but 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 you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like totally. you have. You have, um, yeah, because Carson's your guy, but Carson mm-hmm. really, you know, he gets banged up. He's good for 12 to 13 games a year and 17 game schedule. You're going to need a guy. And so mm-hmm. Penny has also had injuries, but you're kind of counting on him this year to fill that gap. And then you've got Collins, you know, and to take the, the, the heavy load running backs. And then there's, you know, you're receiving kind of guys in Homer and Dallas. So, well, and Dallas has, uh, he, you, his college tape says he should be yeah, but I just better than he looked see. last year. Yeah. He was very the, tentative. I would, I would blocking. definitely run with, with, uh, Carson and Collins and Dallas would take that kind of third, third yeah. spot. And you'd, you'd give Dallas. Yeah, now I would do that over Alton Robinson. Him. I would do that over Alton, but you know, I, I don't know what. Atlanta's got for running backs right now. I just, I don't have their roster open, but yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. I mean, so who do you think won the argument? Me or you? I did. <laughs> Always. You know, we should, we should actually, I've, just I've go never ahead and, lost and, an argument with we, you. We should, <laughs> we should go ahead. Announce the trade right now. Because Keith, I swear to gosh, as soon as we push stop, the Seahawks are going to sling uh-huh. that trade on yep. after we get done recording, and we'll have to hop on to do some sort of supplemental thing anyway. So we might as well just say it. <laughs> um, so two things: one, yes, we should just do that. Seahawks just traded. Why? Because we talked about yeah, it, so exactly. therefore it's going to happen right after we hit we hit stop, and so therefore this show will be outdated. And the other thing is your face when I said I've never lost an argument with you was hilarious. <laughs> so the people uh-huh. who aren't watching on YouTube, um, scroll, you know, yeah, freeze frame that, go, that thing, load it up, scroll about, up to about thirty-two <laughs> minutes and um, and watch that. That was that was worth it, uh, right there. Yeah, I, I was bulging and a little smirk. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, so let's let's take a let's take a, a round trip around the uh, the NFC West. So the other teams in the NFC West have also been in this conversation for Julio Jones. Each each one of them, I think the Rams may have pulled out of that conversation just in the last. The Rams just don't. The they don't day. have the ability right. to to get involved. And they're the team actually that probably needs a player like that the most. Um, yes. Which is interesting because you want to give Matthew Stafford an, an opportunity to to have some weapons, and you've got a player like Woods, and. Um, and Cooper Cup, and then after that, it's just kind of squishy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that. But they're they're sitting with, um, you know, twenty almost twenty five million in dead cap for Jared Goff, and another eight and a half for Todd Gurley. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, they got to do what they got to do. I mean, Woods is getting older. He's the second oldest wide receiver in the division, mm-hmm. besides AJ Green, who signed with. Arizona. Then you've got Deshaun Jackson, who's right behind him as far as age, probably not going to have very much of an impact on the Mm -hmm. roster. Then you've got Cooper Cup, who's been injured. So they actually need Deshaun Jackson in this roster to be available to be just in case. 
you know, and then they, they signed, um, Atwell, I think, um, the second round pick, uh, right after we chose Eskridge, it was kind of a consolation prize. I thought more of a gadgety kind of guy, but it kind of fits into their style of, you know, a guy like that. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. If you look at the, if you look at the division and you just look at it in terms of weapons and, and the defenses that are designed to stop those weapons, that the, the NFC West is just loaded, you know, top to bottom. It is. Um, but if you look at the, if you look at, think about the wide receiver. Yeah, just the wide receivers. Room. It's just, just amazing. Just, just the wide receiver. I'd still give Seattle the nod. I mean, Metcalf has, is the most talented player in the division with the exception of maybe Nuke Hopkins. Well, let's, yeah, um, let's take a look at it. So you got all the quarterbacks, Matthew Stafford, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, and eventually Trey Lance. That's a, that's, that's a, that's, that's a cool. good quarterback room right there. And then True. all the wide receivers, you got Hopkins, Cup, Tyler Lockett, Woods, DK Metcalf, Ayuk. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, you, you kind of count him, A.J. Green, Rondale Moore, Dwayne Eskridge, Tutu Atwell, Van Jefferson, Will Disley, Tyler Higby. And uh, that's that's some serious talent and speed. There's a lot of speed in that list. And so you're you're putting a lot of pressure on defenses in this division, um, which makes it, I, to me, it's like the best division just from a sheer talent standpoint. Oh, if the... So I was uh, I was talking with a friend at work about uh, about this very topic, and he is an Arizona Cardinals fan. Um, grew up in Phoenix, you know, went to school down there, and so he's a big he's a big Arizona fan. And he was just like, you could say he was just like, ah, oh, like why do we have to be in the NFC West? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and yeah, and they're <laughs> the team that's, that's on the bubble to be the on the bottom of the division, and they're not a bad team. I mean, this is no, probably we, a nine-win team or a ten-win team in any other division, and yeah. that's a, almost like a given level. Put you put the Arizona Cardinals in pick a division. That's not the NFC. Yeah, West. replace them with you know to send them to Houston, and they would clean up that division probably. Yeah, they would, and uh, and so they they went the. In most divisions, I think Arizona wins that division, or if nothing else, they finish second and they get enough wins to get into the playoffs. I agree. Well, I totally team. agree. Um, and but in in this division, where you're looking at you know them versus San Francisco versus the Rams versus um, Seattle, and you go, they might be the fourth best team in this division, mm. um, and they're good enough to be a playoff team. Um, yeah. Especially with Kyler Murray at quarterback, Emerging. I mean, I don't, I, I don't believe in their coach one bit, um, like not even a, the, the slightest bit. Um, but Kyler Murray know. is. I think is they insane. they may end up turning the corner a little bit. I mean, Arizona started out before uh, Kingsbury as thirty second in passing in DVOA in two thousand eighteen, um, then twenty second with Kingsbury and Kyler Murray in his in Murray's first year, and then twelfth last year, and they picked up. Um, you know, tight end Max. They have Max Williams uh, resigned. Christian Kirk is still there. They they um, they added Green. I don't know what he's got left in the tank. Hopkins had you know twelve hundred yards last year and over a uh, hundred receptions. You know, he's a chain mover guy. He's not going to be you know taking the top off the defense. But nonetheless, he's one of the most dependable 
wide receiver. I think he had 1,400 yards. So he had 115 catches for 1,400 yards last year in Arizona. Believe it or not, it just didn't seem like it. But that's how productive he was last year. Um, they have an opportunity to do some damage if they are well coached. Like if they have the right mentality, they have enough talent to disrupt the the other three teams in the division on any given Sunday. So tell me about their offensive line. So how about the Rams? <laughs> <laughs> let's let's go to the Rams. Um, uh, yeah, no, you know, Ar- the Arizona needs to work on that. Um, and I. Uh, <laughs> It's it's tough because they're they're not that great. I mean, they have Brian Winters, um, Josh Jones Arizona's, from Houston, Arizona's who was a draft pick that we thought was going to be in the back into the first round last year. Ended up hanging on until what the fourth round. DJ Humphreys signed resigned a deal this year to be their left tackle. Rodney Hudson they picked up uh, from Oakland. Max Garcia is is there. Um, Kelvin Beecham. Um, it's not, I think that they've improved, so it's not going to be as bad as it was last year. And, and if you give Kyler Murray another, you know, half a second to operate, that could be the difference for him. See, they're going about, um, protecting, uh, Kyler Murray the same way that Seattle went about protecting Russell Wilson. Absolutely. Which is, they're not going to do anything whatsoever to protect him. And they're saying, but he's super athletic and can make people miss. So um, it should work. And what that's going to do is it's going to lead to the same problem that Seattle had, uh, which is a, a high-variance offense. They're going to be great one week. They're going to be look struggle to move the ball at all the next week. And it's all matchup dependent because they don't have the offensive line to really do the job. Um and yeah, you're just asking your quarterback to make up for it too much. Uh, I like ultimately, the way, I like the roster building thing that, that Arizona is doing is is they're trying to to create a defense to to do the really heavy lifting for the team and have an offense that's just good enough um, with a with a decent quarterback that that could possibly win games at the end of games. We don't know yet for sure because he really hasn't been put in that position yet. Um, but I do believe that he has that ability. Uh, he showed it in college. He's, I think he's, he's that kind of quarterback. He's that dynamic. The question is, does, do they have enough weapons and that offensive line is just good enough? You know, they added James Conner at running back. They've got, Eno Benjamin, um, and, and, um, Chase Edmonds and then their wide receiver, you look at their wide receiver room and, and, and their, their tight ends. And it's just, eh, like, I really it's like Hopkins, not- right? But AJ Green Everybody is older, loves Hopkins. and everyone else is kind of improving. Christian Kirk is okay, but um, AJ Green hasn't been good for a couple. It's of years. true. Um, it's but true. what he so, but what he's going to bring them uh, is what Larry Fitzgerald brought them last year. He's going to be steady. He's going to provide leadership. He's going to make not that many catches, but they'll be all for first downs on a third down, um, and he's just going to annoy the hell out of fans of other teams. Um, because he'll have three catches for, you know, 19 yards, but three first downs. Is Larry Fitzgerald going to play in 2021? It does not look like it, no. So, um, all right. So uh, just off the top of your head, what's your kind of predicted finish? Where do you expect them to be uh, in January um, of 2022? 
eight or nine wins. Wow. That's going to get that coach fired. And yeah. And unfortunately for the Seahawks, that means they'll turn around and hire a coach with actual coaching talent. And um, that team will take off. I do like their GM. I mean, I really do. They, they've done their an actually done a, a decent job. Yeah. The GM's done a good job of, of, of shuffling the roster mm-hmm. and getting guys in. Um, although I do think that if you look um, like JJ Watt, which was like their big time acquisition uh, this year, last year, a year ago it was um, New Hopkins, but then this year it was, it was JJ Watt. Uh, I think you're going to see that they may not get as much out of him as his name implies because he has struggled the last couple of years to stay healthy and hasn't been that defensive player of the year guy he he once was. So I still think he's very good, but I just don't think people are – I don't think he's going to be where he's going to make everyone – well, um, and they're, just, I, th- I really do like their defense. I mean, their defense is, is borderline top 10. And, you um, think so? yeah, I mean, you got Marcus Golden there, Chandler Jones, Watt, if Watt produces double digit sacks, not saying he will, not saying he won't, but if he does, along with Chandler, Chandler Jones back there, who was injured, um, most of the year. Chandler Jones is, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I just think that they have the ability, they have the ability to dictate terms to a lot of offenses. Now, maybe not the Seahawks. There's a few offenses where they're not going to stop but they can, they could limit. Um, and I just, I, you know, it just really, it really is up to that offense to figure out how far that they get. And you're mm-hmm. right. They just so I, may not I mean, have enough, quite enough talent to get Buda them over Baker, the on the, on the back end is where I, 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 I think they're not good enough defensively. Buda Baker's back there. He's fantastic. Um, so let's, I'm not talking about him, but they're, you know, the guy that's probably going to start um, at cornerback for him is Robert Alford, uh, who honestly should be in a nickel corner that plays, you know, 40% of the snaps. But he's probably going to start. Um, that's not a I mean, they great got Malcolm Butler. Um, yeah, Malcolm Butler. Like, I know he had yeah, a bad year. Every, like, he, he's a name because of... of um, a certain play in the Super Bowl, yeah, but but he's a decent he slot been, guy. He's a he, he's a decent corner. And you're right, like Bur- Byron Murphy and um and and a couple of rookies is really what they've got. Like yeah. they're going to have somebody's going to have to step up on that back end mm-hmm. in order for them to be decent. They their safety room is actually really good um, with Buda Baker and then Thompson and um, oh, I can't remember the other guy's name. Um. Um, Charles Washington, Jalen Thompson and Deontay Thompson, both of those guys are, and Chris Miller's oh, no, okay. no slouch, um, either. So, uh, you know, this, the safeties are, are really good, but the, the corners are, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, that could be, that could be a, a downfall type thing for their defense. Um, especially if you add Julio Jones to the Seahawks roster, there's just no stopping them. All right. So let's talk about, um, what do you want to talk about the, the 49ers or the Rams? Let's talk about the 49ers yep. because um, last year they were decimated with injuries and, um, and if they aren't decimated by injuries, I still think that this is an 11 or 12 win team, even with Garoppolo as quarterback and talk to me about that. Tell me, tell know. me if you feel that they picked up Alex Mack 
at center. They re-signed their left tackle. Um, you know, they, they still have a decent secondary that was probably outperformed uh, where the expected expectations were last year. Trey Lance, obviously, may end up getting a shot at some point. Um, their running back room is is really actually pretty good. And um, they picked up, I think, Elijah Mitchell and Trey Sermon in the, in the draft. And I, I, I like their roster. I like their chances um, because it's essentially almost the same basic makeup of the roster that, that won 13 games two, just but two years not. ago. But I, don't, I don't think that it is. Because the, the team that won 13 games two years ago um, on defense had uh, a healthy and active and very good Richard Sherman at cornerback. He's not on the team anymore. Um, it had uh, a defensive line that was much deeper and, quite frankly, more talented um, than what they've got this year. They just didn't get I mean, a lot out of D Ford, did they? They got nothing out of D Ford. And so now you're looking at, so Eric Armstead's good, um, and he's going to be there. But you're looking at, you know, Zach Kerr probably and, being And a some starter. reclamation projects. Yeah. And so Nick Nick Bosa has to come in and play uh, not just at a Pro Bowl level, but at an elite level. Like a and borderline. I, and there's no reason that he wouldn't. Has he ever? Yeah, his for his rookie year was was really good. His rookie year was was really and he good. Had the ACL. That's um, it. Yeah, I mean, that's all he and, had. And so, and then J- you know, last Javon Kinlaw is there. We haven't who, seen a lot out of him yet, but man, that, yeah, that he, guy could really step up. He did up. not. He did not come in and and do what everyone expected of him last year. Um, you know, when when well, you're you, exposed, so when you lose your premier guy, all of a sudden, your job as an as an interior defensive guy is difficult. Yes, and as is. a rookie, that's you know, the expectations just kind of have to go out the window. So I, I I'm not going to write him off yet. But so. Both the guys that started as or that started the year last year as their starting corners are gone. They're replaced um, mm-hmm. by uh, Jason Verrett, who came on, played pretty well um, last year, and, and earned himself an opportunity to be the starter. And Emmanuel Mosley, mm-hmm. who has talent and 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 can be can be pretty good, but neither of those guys is going to be Richard Sherman, who they were two years ago. Um, I just I look at the 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 roster isn't as good as it was when they won thirteen games. They still have they've got a really uh, decent wide receiver room, and of course George Kittle is a is a weapon. So oh, so George Kittle's fantastic. Depending um, on Garoppolo uh, and and you know and whether he can throw the ball any better than he did two years ago remains so to be you seen. You think their you think their wide receiver room is good? Um, I see I see a lot of potential there, there. and there's you know there's guys that are older that need to step up. I mean, Travis Benjamin obviously has not stepped up in the last couple of years, but I thought that that was mm-hmm. a pretty decent pickup for them. Jalen Hurd was a second first or second round pick last year. I think he got an ACL in practice or whatever, didn't even play last year. So that's a big uh, gift to them this year that he's they didn't big, have. He's a big. He's a wild card, um, and I think he could be good. He's 6'5", 230 pounds. That's a pretty decent wild card. Yeah, I mean, Ayuk and Samuel give them, a, you know, great guys on the outside. Yeah, poor um, Samuel. He plays so physical, it just 
and beats him up. Yep. And then after that, it's, it's, I, I, I don't Mohammed see it. Mohammed um, is, is, he's old, but he can give you, you know, yeah, 500 he yards. He didn't do much of anything last year. He was a major disappointment. Um, and then Jalen Hurd's like, you know, he's the wild card. What are you going to get out of yeah. him? He was a rookie last year, but had an ACL. So he's coming back from an ACL injury, which is never easy. Um, Brandon Ayuk, lo- obviously, dude. I mean, that guy's a talented guy. Well, that's what I mean. I st- Ayuk and Samuel, like that, fantastic. Yes. Everybody else um, in that wide receiver room? I would think that they probably would have brought in another guy. No, they did. You know, you look at the uh, the, the Muhammad Sanu, uh, Sanu uh, signing as kind of a hedge on Jalen Hurd. But Jalen Hurd could easily eclipse him as the third wide receiver. And then you add George Kittle to that. That's four nice weapons um, for the offense to, to move the chains. I'm not and saying we'll it's see, going to be we'll a world-changing kind of down-the-field offense. You're not going to have that with Garoppolo. But you mm-hmm. add Trey Lance to that mix. You know, all of a sudden, a guy like Brandon Ayuk becomes way more um, important to your offense, and Travis Benjamin all of a sudden um, starts starts running down the sideline for you a little bit more. So, I don't know if Travis Benjamin makes this roster. That's true. I, he... This is He's not a, a great and, roster. This is the, well, it, we'll look at the Rams in a second, but this could be the, the worst wide receiver. This could be the, the worst talent on, um, you know, for, for your weapons in the division. And any team that has Kyle Juszczyk and George Kittle isn't going to be that bad as far as the weapons and Brandon. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't want to mm-hmm. overstate mm-hmm. this. I think this team has a lot of talent and they're very dangerous and they're going to piss me off at so many different instances this year. They can go steal some games for sure. But off, but ultimately they're running Jimmy Garoppolo or a rookie at quarterback and they are, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're, they've got that and and they don't have the depth they used to. Possibly and, and start, get, get it starting spot at a at corner i mean nobody saw him play in 2020 but he was a guy <clears throat> that came into the senior bowl and was really attractive to a guy like um naggy you know as as the uh, as the senior bowl executive who really liked embry thomas in fact we had talked about him being mm-hmm. a possibility for the seahawks in the mid rounds so a guy like that is is maybe a guy to watch and then um they picked up a couple of Linemen that I like, uh, offensive linemen. Aaron Banks is a beast of a of an offensive guard. I think he comes in and probably starts right away. He, they they need him to start mm-hmm. because if they don't, if he doesn't start, they're running uh, Lake and Tomlinson out there again. And Tomlinson is good, you know, at, at blocking in a phone booth and the guy right right in front of him. But the guy's got no mobility, mm-hmm. um, no no ability to pull, no ability to. Um, and we talked about you know, we talked about the, the yeah, defensive so. backs being kind of a weakness. They picked up um, Talanoa Hufanga out of USC, mm-hmm. the, the the safety, and they picked up Lenore um, from Oregon, which I thought is a is a really decent value guy. At the you know I think he probably ended up I don't have their draft order, but he probably ended up going the fifth or sixth round for them. He went in the fifth fifth round, pick twenty one, and so um, that's a decent pickup. And those guys aren't going to make the team like Thomas and Lenore and and Hafanga. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really, I think that adds to the talent. No, those guys might not show 
until halfway through the season, but I think that improves their their defensive yeah. backs a little bit. So I mean that the big thing, the big question mark for them is quarterback because you know Garoppolo is yeah. Well, that's going to hang. Just, <clears throat> that's going to hang over their team for a while too because it's going to end up being one of those controversy things because Garoppolo uh, will have marginal games. Garoppolo is a kind of quarterback that will throw for 110 yards and be seven of 10 in, in a few games. And yeah. when that happens or he throws three interceptions, the, the, the call for Lance to be the, the quarterback or have an opportunity is going to, that drumbeat is going to get louder and louder as the season goes on. But if they win, if, if San Francisco does what they did two years ago and they just end up winning, you know, and they get to November and they've got 10 wins, um, it's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. Garoppolo will stay. Um, so Garoppolo started six games last year, threw for um, 1,100 yards, 182.7 yards mm-hmm. per game. Yeah, he's a game manager. Yeah, he's not a guy that's going to take you uh, when you're down by 10 with uh, – seven minutes to go in a game. He's not going to score twice to get you the game. It's just not yeah, going to happen. He's, he's just not that guy. All right. Let's talk um, about the Rams. I'm really okay. interested at, to feel this Rams team out with Matthew Stafford at quarterback. Like how does it, does it change the team significantly enough yes. in order to remake their chances to take, retake the division again and, and be supreme in the division? It really does. Because the upgrade from Jared Goff, who is a below-average NFL quarterback, to Matthew Stafford, who is a top-10 NFL quarterback, is massive. And to make it at the most important position on a football team, to go from below-average to top-10, everything else, everything else gets easier. Um, Matthew Stafford makes that big of a difference. And that's why... are, is the Rams defense good enough? Right? Because <laughs> that, that's the question. Because uh, Matthew Stafford is going to make a mistake now and again. He's always been that guy. He's a slinger a little bit, not, not terribly um, inaccurate, but um, he is, he will make those mistakes. He's not a terribly mobile guy either. So he's going to make some pressure errors. Um, when he does that, is their defense good enough to, get the offense back out on the field? Um, at times. I mean, you've got any team, any team you've got Aaron Donald out there, you're going to, um, your defense isn't going to be completely terrible because um, he makes that big of a difference on his own. And Jalen Ramsey is fantastic. But overall, their depth is not um, not quite what you'd want. because, And they can't because, you know, they've got, you know, 25 million um, of their cap space not used it's it's it's, it applies to jared Goff, um and so at you you can't like that's the type of money that you would need for Mm -hmm. that those second tier guys you could get like three of those second tier guys that could come in and be major playmakers for you um that they just aren't don't have because that money is sitting there um with Goff, and then another you know eight million with um you know Gurley. so that's like four key players on a roster that you're going to not have mm-hmm. um, because the the money there or you know three key players and two 
really important rotation guys on the defensive line. I mean, that that's how big it is that they have all that dead money. I just, I, they're one of those teams that's going to be super dangerous and then they're just not going to be able to hold on at times because they just don't have um, the depth. They're just not going to have the depth this year. Now that on defense, honestly, um, they've got Aaron Donald. Yeah. Well, they picked up Bobby Brown. He's an underrated interior defensive lineman. Ernest Brown as well. I, I like both those guys, but those guys are both rookies. Um, and a fourth and a fifth round. And, and both of them are totally undersized, <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh, which means they're going to be pass rusher kind of guys. I just, I, you know, there's no threat yet at that point. Yeah. Robert Rochelle was a, a corner that they'd picked up in the, in the in the draft that we both really liked. Kind of a fourth round guy. Um, yeah. So, you know, he's a fourth round guy for a reason. You know, I think that he's got some things to work on. They still have Jalen Ramsey, obviously, uh, but he's just one guy. So for me, I think I agree with you in that. Um, and they lost their, I think their, their premier um, safety Johnson uh, mm-hmm. in free agency. And, and yeah, Keith, I, mean, I think they're... one of the most underrated things about the Rams that they lost this year was almost their entire coaching staff. Like they turned over yeah. a ton of coaches. They just got, pilfered you know in the offseason including yeah. our, our very own offensive coordinator um and offensive line um yeah but they lost their they lost their offensive coordinator they lost their their, their defense guy retired right mm-hmm. um and i and so it's it, it'll be interesting to see like what happens with with that so and then you look at the seahawks okay so now that we've had the conversations about those those teams, you really take a look at the Seahawks and what they were able to do this offseason, which was actually just incredible for, for me. I you know, because it could have gone either way, especially during the six weeks where the Russell Wilson trade talk was right at the height of everyday news. Um, it, it could have been a, a disaster for an offseason uh, in Seattle, even even with or without the trade. Like uh, we didn't have any cap money. We only had uh, four draft picks coming into free agency. We had, you know, very little draft, uh, very little cap space. And we were losing a ton of free agents. And and we were going to have to cut, you know, Carlos Dunlap. And who knows how that would have worked out. Were we going to keep our corner? Uh, all that kind of stuff. And I'll be doggone if it just didn't work out about as good as it possibly could have gone. I mean, considering yeah, I mean- all the things that could have gone wrong, almost everything went right. Yep. Jerron Reed um, left the two starting corners, at least starting on the depth chart. Uh, really, it was Griffin and and someone who shouldn't have played. Um, yeah. But, but you, but you, you know, uh, they lost some guys, but they were able when in doing that, they were able to keep Dunlap. They were able to, add Jackson on the offensive line. They were allowed to bring Carson back. They were able to, um, you know, do some other stuff in there where they just continued to add. Um, and they really were able to solidify all these different spots that we were worried about, whether it be bringing guys back or whether it was, um, you know, replacing them. And, like Aleko Witherspoon, mm-hmm. right, at corner. Like, uh, I just saw some video of him in practice, and he looks really good. 
he and did. he looked good um, in a little cut up too that I saw of highlights from just last year. Mm-hmm. He's a pretty sticky guy and very physical. I think the, the folks are going to be happy with him. Now he may get beaten some coverage now and again, but um, I think I think people will like him because of the physical nature and the way he plays and and his length and so forth. I really do believe that he has some good makeup speed and all that kind of stuff. So we'll see. Yeah, I think I think he's going to be I think he's going to be fine. I mean, he was uh, he went into last year as the starter in San Francisco and and um, dealt with a, an ankle injury, I believe it was that that hobbled him. So he played mm-hmm. through some of it, but not as well because well, if you've ever tried to run on a hurt ankle, you'll, you'd you'd understand. Um, and you know, ended up having it kind of a down year, uh, but it was a down year caused by injury, not a down year caused by work ethic or talent or, or those kind of things. So, um, he is, he's, he's uh, going to need, I think he's a penciled in starter to me. Absolutely. I think he's a penciled in yeah, starter. Yeah. Because, or it's, you know, Trey flowers comes in and surprises like somehow or another he developed in the off season and nobody n- knew about it. And all of a sudden he came in and he could actually play. Um, True. otherwise, no you know, you're depending that. on a rookie and Trey Brown to come in. Now coach is going to no give him an opportunity to compete, but that's probably not going to end up being this year. He, he's going to get some yep. reps. Pierre Desir's kind of, I'm not going to say completely washed, but he's a little bit of a washed player. And then you just got a bunch of guys, you know, Ryan Neal yep. is kind of, I don't know if he has the Cor- speed to really play outside corner. So he's more of a, sl- a big slot guy. Yeah. Corner's the weakness in Seattle. Demarius um, Randall's, you know, five their defensive lines. lines good. Their their linebackers are good. Their uh, and their safeties are good, but they're they're going to struggle a little bit at corner. And but we don't know. This is may not be the team that they could run out. That's true. Uh, yeah. On, I mean, they could still go find another guy. Yeah. They could still bring Richard Sherman. They in. could. Yeah, the market might dry up to the point where Richard Sherman either comes in for Richard four or Sherman's, five million dollars or he doesn't play which would totally I think Richard suck Sherman isn't isn't healthy enough to pass a physical wow haven't heard is that why before. is why he is not signed um hmm. and that you know it's okay it's June 1st yeah they give him um, a couple months we'll see he's got another couple months to get there but once he's ready um once he's he's in shape and and ready to um, to play and can pass the physical. I think he signs with someone. And yeah, it's it's not going to be for, you know, $15, $20 million that he's played for the last couple of years. It's, it's going to be, be for five. Yeah, it's going to be so hard seeing KJ Wright and, and uh, Richard Sherman playing from, you know, twice the for veteran minimum or whatever. <laughs> it's just like, oh my gosh, the fallen. Um, okay, yeah. so. Um, I still think KJ Wright plays in Seattle next year. So let's quickly go through the roster. Like the the defensive line seems to be a real strength. Now, it, granted, if we do the Julio Jones thing and we ship out a player or whatever, it, it diminishes a little bit. But nonetheless, one player is not going to defeat that defensive mm-hmm. line. We are, however, dependent upon a group of players stepping up and playing because you mentioned last week, where's the star? Where's the guy that's going to close games for you and so forth? That's the issue with the defensive line, but I don't think it's a huge issue as long as everyone well, have, plays as you've a got unit. Dunlap, Dunlap is yeah. the is the star. Yes, um, yes. But but that's it. You know what I mean? Like you, Alden need... Robinson's a potential star. Alden Smith could give you something if he plays. Daryl Taylor, we just don't know, but he could. Yeah, and so you're hoping that 
of of the the bunch of options which all of them could you just need one you need one of them to step up and, and play I think like that's that likely or or a group of two or three guys that that are a part of a rotation that that really do play, like each guy has four or five sacks. i mean i would accept that yeah. too because then there's really no drop off you're just kind of playing a really nice solid unit and i, I i'll take that defense um, how about linebacker? You mentioned KJ Wright. You think KJ Wright is going to play for the Seahawks? And I think KJ Wright plays for Seattle. I think the longer this goes, the more it. He comes back to Seattle for another year, another shot at another Super Bowl. Um, what does that do to the playing time of the roster as it stands? Honestly, I don't think it changes it much. What happens to Daryl Taylor? Um, does, he, he plays get, more defensive okay. end. Is KJ Wright had a great year last year, but he also he's not he was never the fastest linebacker. That was never a strength of his. Um and he does not look uh like the same guy as far as speed. So they they're gonna sub him out, they're gonna get um Brooks in there more so that way they have that speed out there. Um he's gonna be in and out, he's gonna be like that 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 linebacker who comes off when they go to the nickel um, and be veteran leader and a guy that can play if somebody else gets hurt. But um, going into the year, he would be that guy. And so, yeah, Daryl Taylor, instead of having those reps at strong side linebacker, he's on the sideline uh, for those and then come, but he will still come in um, for his pass rush. Uh, you know, his, his reps at defensive end, I think that, you know, it just. And he would play some reps at, at, Strong side. I mean, they would work him in just so that next oh, year yeah. he's ready to roll. Yeah, and and, and so it, it comes down to that, and it just gives you some more depth and some, uh, you know, kind of uh, some injury hedge against you know everybody. If there's and, no trades, no movement at all, and we go into the season with the current look, current roster, which which defensive ends get cut? So you've got Carlos, you've got L.J. Collier, who's in the third year of a four-year contract mm-hmm. with a fifth-year option. Carlos Dunlap, who just signed a two-year deal. Rasheem Green, who's on the end of his rookie deal. He's the guy who gets cut. Hyder. Mayoa. Mayoa's deal is, you know, limited guarantees. Alton mm-hmm. Robinson, you're not going to cut that guy. Alden Smith is, an, is a guy with a mm-hmm. minimum contract that could probably be cut. Minimum contract and in legal issues, so he, well, he may, may or may not make play. it to camp. We just don't know. Mm-hmm. So that's it, you know. And then yeah. you've got a bunch of defensive tackles: Miles Adams, Pinafore, Jared Hewitt, Cedric Lattimore, Brian Monet, uh, Robert Kamdichi, Al Woods. So between the, everyone I just mentioned, you're going to keep a maximum of ten. Okay. Obviously, you're keeping Puna, keeping Monet. Um, you're keeping Woods, right? Mm-hmm. Your, that's your your primary defensive tackle right. rotation. You're keeping um, Dunlap, Taylor, Robinson, um, Collier, uh, Hyder, mm-hmm. um, and probably Mayo. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, okay, One so more. that's that's, eight, that's nine, nine, yeah. And so you want someone else? You, you might know, go into can, the season with nine. You might go into the season with that. Depending but on how the might, offensive line works and how the, you know, safeties and who plays. You might want a, an inside teams. pass rusher, someone that can that can play more on the inside and 
and a I guy like, like Miles um, Adams or or Robert Kandiche yeah, or, or um, you know, one of those guys make, yep. makes the roster as the tenth guy. Yeah, boy, if Robert Kandiche can work, it works out. That would just be amazing. If he could ever live up to his draft status. Well, I'm not. I wouldn't even want that at this point. If he could live up to a nice <laughs> rotational role where he could get three or four sacks on the year and replace some of that Jaron Reed productivity, I would take that. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's switch gears and go to the offense. Um, we already know the the wide receiver room. We talked about it extensively at the top. The tight ends, I think are, we, we kind of touched on that as well with Gerald Everett, Disley, and so forth. What do you expect, though, from colby parkinson this year as far as a contribution level with the way that the roster is stacked at other position groups um honestly when they went out and signed a tight end and you know that you've got disley who um blocks like a tackle and moves better than than i would have ever dreamed after watching his college tape yeah Um, even with the two major injuries he still moves better than i would have dreamed after watching his college tape um I don't know. I don't know what we can expect from Colby Parkinson. I don't know what they end up doing. Now, he, he might end up um, being in a situation where he plays himself into a role and, and you see um, less of either Everett or Disley because you, you want a guy that's got a little bit more, um, you know, that height, his ability to go up and get the ball, um, you know, just more of that gigantic target um, and less, you know, okay, so it doesn't matter that he doesn't move as well right. as well, well, as effort, and he doesn't does block move, as well as he does move. He does move. Yeah, he does move. He doesn't. But you know what I'm saying? He's like not he, premier athletic, but he's pretty damn athletic for a six seven two fifty one guy. Yeah, and um, you know, so so he can play himself into a role. But I think when they went and signed Everett, what they were saying what is Parkinson still has to prove something to us. He's not guaranteed anything. So what do you because we. We want two tight ends. We have two tight ends. What do you think is up with the latest little signing that probably came out under the radar for most folks? Cam Sutton is a 6'6", 226-pound rookie, undrafted free free agent guy out of Fresno State that they brought in. Now, I don't expect anything, obviously. They don't even have his picture up on his roster uh, picture on the website. At, at an undrafted com. free agent but, but the size, who doesn't though, sign is weird. April. So the size is intriguing to me. So 6'6", 226. So if that guy a runs a sub 4'5". That's a big wide receiver. Yeah. So that's um, interesting, though. I mean, they have him listed at tight end. He's a tight end. But um, if if somehow or another this guy is somehow has some speed, that could kind of be an interesting equation for the practice squad going forward just a, yeah just a name, that, that, you know. and and that's 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 where he fits in as the practice squad you, we're talking about an undrafted player signing you know at the end of may not in april after the draft but at the end of, at the end of may um when all 32 teams have had a chance to sign him for a month and then he finally gets his, finally you know he gets his phone number called so, um i i'm not you can yeah, he's got that size and whatever, but can he play football? Right. So before we finish with the offensive line, I want to talk about the running backs just really quick, only because it just seems like a um, a big thing for Pete Carroll. We want to increase our efficiency running the ball. We want to run the ball better. Um, and quite frankly, we want to run the ball more. 
All right, so all of those criteria are now established for the running back room. And when you take a look at the room, Alex Collins, DJ Dallas, uh, they've got a couple undrafted guys in Edmonds and Josh Johnson, Travis Homer, Rashad Penny, um, Chris Carson. Is that room stacked enough where you're totally comfortable? Yes. Okay. So uh, <laughs> offensive line... <laughs> Um, is, is you're going to leave it. You're, you're going to leave it at that with the, with the one word answer. Well, you know, you already said that you win every argument, so I'm not even going to try. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just leave it there. Well, here's here. No, actually, here's what I was thinking. We're going to talk. We'll probably end up having a larger conversation about the running backs at, yep. as we get closer to camp, and so we'll just leave that conversation for another time. But I wanted to talk briefly about the the, the um the offensive line, just because mm-hmm. we brought in a guy um, that needs to get integrated into the line in Gabe Jackson. And then, um, you know, everything else looks okay. I mean, starter wise, you, I'm, I'm okay have, with our starters. You still have Dwayne Brown, who's a, a pro bowler. You've got Damian Lewis was a revelation mm. last year. Who's going to move from right to left, but whatever. Well, that'll be interesting. We'll have to talk about that. Not today. I don't think, it's for a guard. It's really not that big of a deal, uh, especially a well, young it guard. It seems to me like it might be only because of the Shane Waldron he, equation. Now Shane Waldron he brought played his left guard. He played left guard in college. Is he a, so the whole, it, it, now your left guard normally though you want to be a little bit more athletic than your right guard typically, and so he was. Is that true? A and B. No. Is there any real difference other than just being? thinking more in a left-handed way versus a right-handed way and moving one way, you know, you kind of auto correct yourself to the point where when you start the season, you're pretty well set, but you know, it, it is a process to kind of switch sides. I would imagine. It's a lot of practice time between totally. uh, and, and preseason and mental games reps between, and everything. Right. Yeah. So I, I'm not worried about, especially as a young guy who played some left tackle or less left, left guard in, in college. Um, I look more at, Gabe Jackson, who's been a right guard mm-hmm. for years and in, in, in the pros, hasn't moved around. Um, for him, all that muscle memory is going to be harder to break, and so that's why they decided to put him him um, at at right uh, guard. And also, you look at what he does: his pass blocking, his movement in space, and all those things. If they were really wanted it to be the 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 right side is you know the grinder um, power. Uh, and the left side's the, the more pass blocking, you know, more agile. They would have left um, Lewis on the right and made Jackson move, but they didn't. They they left Jackson on the right and made Lewis move um, because I don't think they care. I think this is going to be. You got Russell Wilson at quarterback. It doesn't have to be a right-handed um, running game. You can run either direction. Uh, they're that you know he's good and and um, it, it just isn't a concern for me. But I think the fact that you have you brought in one of the best guards in the NFL to replace what was the weakest spot on your line. So you had you took the weakest spot on your on your offensive line and made it arguably the best spot on your offensive line. And I know Dwayne Brown's going to take exception to that, but um, Dwayne Brown's way more valuable because he plays a more valuable position. But as far as actual like per, um, quality versus the rest of the NFL, man, Jackson's going to be there. Um, you know, Shell's still kind of a placeholder. Abuahe is going to be the swing guy. 
It's the same guys as last year. Post second center, it's the same guy as last year. So yeah, they made they took the weakest spot in their line, which was one of the guards, and they made it a massive strength. And that that's all you I mean it would have been nice so, if they got a better center. Yeah. Well, I mean, what they do you think still. of the tackle depth? You're right. I'm actually, I mean, you look at the, the tackle, tackle depth, depth is better than last it year. It looks okay, and then the center is just kind of it's kind of weird that we didn't address it better for me, but I understand that you're going to have a position now and again that's your weakest position. Mm-hmm. I mean, you always have to assign a weakest position, and it just happens mm-hmm. to be that. And and really, when you take a look at Postek as a starter, he's average, and you know you're not going to have premier Pro Bowler guys at every spot on your entire team. And and if you are going to have a weakness, at least his weaknesses aren't the basics. Like he can basically block. He can basically call line plays. He can basically snap the ball effectively to Russell Wilson and he can move in space. So he does the job basically. Okay. Right. And so I'm okay with him. He's going to be better in this offense than he was in, uh, in Shadi's offense. Cause Shadi's at offense asked him to line up and just push the guy in front of him. A lot and he after snapping the ball. He needs to be to do that. no, and in, in Waldron's offense, he's going to be moving more laterally. It's like, okay, get your get the guy in front of you, get the nose tackle to move his feet and move laterally, so that the way there's a cutback so um, for the running so back. So let's and it's, talk it's, about this for just a second. So help me understand the technical requirements in a in a zone blocking scheme that's different from what Solari ran last year that adapts slightly to a. A, a more wide zone situation. So are you talking about players with initial blocks or moving all coordinated in one direction and sliding then off to block at a second level? How does it all kind of work and, and look different? So, okay. So, so in Solari's, it was, um, it was based mostly on the inside zone, which is that where you, you start out with double teams um, on the inside. And then one of the, one of the players is assigned to, um, move off and block. So you always, it's like you're running to the right. You always block the person to your right. Um, and you know, if you, if there's no one there, then you turn inside and double team that first Are player. Are you trying to move out. the defensive man in the, in a, in a direction that he's trying to go? Or are you trying to counter him and move him off his spot and force him to go where you want him to go? A little of both. Um, if you can get him to move fine, if not, um, just push him out of the way. Just wash him out of the play, um, and and that's that's you know if if they want to go really hard in the, in 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 one direction, let them and just wash them out of the play so they're not there. Um, and 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 so, but it, it it's 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 less it's kind of choreographed in that you're trying to um, I block this person, then I pull off, or I block this person, and you better help me, and then you better pull off. Um, and, the, you and there's know, a sense and, and of it, timing with that too. They hold it for yeah, a certain and, and, time. Yeah. And there's certain rules and all, and, and as far as who's blocking who and, and all of that. And then the running backs key off that. And so the whole thing just yes. kind of works together. There's certain keys that the running back has to see. Okay. I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at this block and if it's blocking out, I, I go in and if it's going in, I go out and you, you have to key off those individual blocks and then let your talent, you know, go. So, with the outside zone, it's different. With the outside zone, what you have is you have your your tackle 
and your guard on the backside. Their job is to just stop the player, right? Just either wash them out, you know, wide, if that's where they want to go, then in the opposite direction of the running plane. Okay, fine, you do that. Um, in the old days of the Denver um, running backs, they would cut block and put them on the ground. Um, now, it's, now it's more just like just to stop them from, from moving laterally. On the front side, you your 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 tackle and your guard and your center, um, you want to push them wide. Toward, so if you're running right, you want to push them as far out to the right as you can. Um, and so you wash them up. So you the, the left side is um, stuck where they are, and the right side is pushed out, and you end up with these big holes caused by creating lateral movement rather than vertical movement. So in and, Shane Waldron's deal, where every play is is available in multiple play calls and so the same formations are available in both run plays and pass plays which helps disguise mm-hmm. one or the other and so forth um so there's there's that and then there's our does is our offensive line with the personnel that we have have the ability to complete the assignments i think so and this and this is why i said i, I think Posick's better suited for this outside zone running than he was for the inside zone running because he you know when when he was asked to to block someone maybe he had lewis helping him but the moment lewis would peel off to go to the second level he's overmatched right um and so in the, in the that's the in the inside zone in the outside zone you know if his guy if they're trying to run right and his guy goes towards his left shoulder, okay, just let him go. I don't know. I'm like, don't leave him and, and bump, don't bump block him. him. But, but you, spot. but you, you just let him wash himself out of the play. And if he goes to the right side of you, you just get his feet moving and you keep them moving right. And you keep going and going and going. And then the running back uses your block as the key and they cut back. So we call it outside zone. Um, but that doesn't mean he's, they're running outside the tackle. It means they start out running like they're going to run outside the right tackle. But the right, you know, the right tackle, the right guard, the center all push their guys out there. And the point where they plant their foot and make that cutback, you know, it, it, they're outside where the right tackle is, um, when they line up. But the, the, the lane when they, that they go through could be between, um, the left guard and the center. Because that's how far out those guys have moved. Jackson is built for that. Posick is built for that. Shell, I think, is athletic enough to do that. Um, I think it'll work. I, I, I honestly think that it's a better fit for the talent than what they had. So how does it fit with the running backs? Really quick, and then we'll wrap it up. Honestly, um, so, I don't so is know. Is this ideally uh, suited for the style that Chris Carson has? No. Why not? Chris Carson excelled. Could Chris, Chris Carson, Carson excelled in the inside zone to be kind of a, a one. I believe one cut he can. Guy. I believe he can. I th- he's talented enough. I think he can. Um, Penny, I think, has the potential to excel. At this I, because I, well, I agree with Penny, but I'll get back to Carson just for half a second. Carson is extremely explosive, so he may not have the top end gear to break away out. You know, after ten yards, but. I think he, if if given the opportunity to one cut and go, I think that he could explode through those holes with a lot of power. And I still think that it's, mm-hmm. it, and if he ends up with larger running lanes than he did 
prior, mm-hmm. he's still going to be massively effective. Yeah, I mean, the, the concept of the outside zone run is designed to put the running back one-on-one with the backside linebacker. Um, so the line, you know, the linebacker coming in from the backside. Um, so if you're running right, it's the linebacker that lined up on the left. The goal is to put the running back one-on-one with that player, and ex- you expect your running back to win most of the time. Yeah, well, yeah, and the, the safety's coming up. Um, you know, there's that too. But uh, against that linebacker, against that safety, one-on-one, um, I'm going to, Carson's going to win that. He's going to kill people. That's what he right. does. He just runs guys over. Yeah, he's the guy that um, tracks people. He doesn't avoid contact. Yeah. Okay, let's talk um, about Penny. See, Penny's got, what What Penny has is more speed. Um, and so his ability to stretch that play out and be really patient and wait for the blocks to do what they need to do. It fits the style that he it, came from, from San Diego State. Yep. And then accelerate, um, not around the corner, but it accelerate, put his foot down and accelerate through the hole that maybe you had to wait a little bit for it to develop and then you accelerate through it. And once he gets past the line of scrimmage with his speed, he could be gone. So, you know, everyone has the same issue with Penny and we all know what that is. Um, are any of his injuries related to the point where you're concerned about injury injuries? With um, so or are they just, just the knee injuries, not. the knee injuries concerning, um, just the knee injuries concerning every player in every position. Right. I mean, that's just what it is. Um, he's had enough time though, but yeah, I mean, he, it, he was, it took a, you I mean, it was a bad injury. And so he didn't come back until, you know, uh, late in the season last year, but he didn't get re injured. He's been healthy this entire he off, season, get, too, which was actually impressive. He's going to get the entire, he has the entire off season, not just to be working to get back on the field and get ready to play, but now he's having the off this off season to really work on himself and really work on, um, the, his game, his knowledge of the offense, his ability to up to, to get into Shane Waldron's yeah. wheelhouse and in this thing. Mm-hmm. I think, I think it's going to be a good fit for him, you know, but if he goes out in the first couple of games and gets hurt again, <sighs> the team needs to look elsewhere. Yeah. I agree. Well, let's hope that that doesn't happen. Knocking on the wood for sure. All right. Um, next week we're going to have some guests. We've, we've been, uh, back and forth on this, uh, to try to schedule these guys in, but, uh, Sammy and George Jojor from sports on tap and all of their affiliate websites are going to come on and it's going to be a broad wide ranging conversation about football and sports in general and culture and their website and what they're trying to do. And, um, it's a pretty cool conversation. So I would get back in here and, and listen to that. We're also going to be talking about, um, players, uh, on the Seattle's mm-hmm. roster, specifically players that are new to the team kind of get to know your new Seahawks. Um, so we'll kind of go through those, those guys and maybe a couple of guys that we think might, might have the best chance to make the roster off of the, off the, um, the undrafted list. So, and I'm going to be asking them out of all the the 32 NFL stadiums in the league, which one has the best beer selection? Wow. Because these are the types of guys that will have an opinion. And those are the them. questions that we will be asking. Those are the questions that yeah. need to be answered. No metaphysical type questions. These are purely um, the important questions that yes, all fans absolutely. want to know 
about being a fan and and participating <laughs> in the fandom of just being a fan. Is there any place other than uh, Seattle and Foxborough, which is Boston, that has clam chowder that's as that wow. is as good as Ivor? Yeah, my. I don't think yeah. I think those two are the only two. You're so, gonna, you're gonna so find. side story. Now that you mentioned Ivor's. So my, my 15 year old is going to, uh, I'm, we're going to, I'm going to travel to the Northwest in July and we're going to do a live show with Dan Viennes of the Emerald city sports cast. We're going to do it. I think at a public place at a, at a bar, we'll have as many of you that we can, we can invite and we'll, we'll, we'll fit into this thing. But part, part of the deal is my son would like to accompany me. He's 15 years old. I don't know if he can get into the bar or not, but he doesn't care. He will sit outside on the sidewalk for however many hours it takes for us to, to do the job <laughs> as long as I will take him to Ivers down on pier 51 or whatever it is. Um, in, in Seattle on the waterfront to, to get the fish and chips and, and mm -hmm. the chowder because he you misses gotta get, it. Gotta get a, gotta get a bowl of the chowder. Yeah. If the fish and chips are great. Um, well, the fish and they're chips fantastic. Yeah. The fish and chips are fantastic. But if you, if you skip the chowder, you're missing out. Don't do that. All right. So, um, yeah, come back. Join <laughs> us next week. Thanks, Keith. Um, you did win every argument. I'm just going to point that out. <laughs> um, I don't think we had an argument. No. Uh, that's that's what makes it funny. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> all right. Find <laughs> Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. I'm at NWC Hawk. The show is at Hawks Playbook, SeahawksPlaybook.com. Go check it out. I reworked, I redesigned the entire website. I did all of it. Uh, and, um, I think it looks okay, but you guys go check it out and, and let us know what you think. And, um, I'm, I'm wide open to any suggestions and you did uh, a fantastic job. Oh, on the thank website, you. Bill. It looks, it looks, amazing. it looks better than it did. It used, it used to be just a single column blog with a right sidebar thing, kind of boring. And it, now it's, it's like, it's better. It's much better. And, um, find us on your favorite podcast app and YouTube. So subscribe. We need more subscribers. I think we only have 64 subscribers on YouTube. It'd be really cool by the end of the summer to get it way over a hundred. So let's work yeah. on that. So most people are still listening to the audio um, podcast. I think it's because they have to look at me if they do the YouTube one and you're, you're you lovely, know, dude. <laughs> you, you're, you're just, you're just totally fine. Come on. Right. Right. Um, I mean, uh, look at the background that like the, you have and, and, you know, with the closet door and that, that circle <laughs> thing, like in the back. It's a Seahawk wreath. It's a Seahawk That I leave up here around. Yeah. yeah. Like you're, you're into it, man. <laughs> right. You even, you have green on your headphones. That, that you, right there is, oh, there's the logo. Like, come on. Yeah. I mean, I've got a, a picture of the stadium. I've got the Super Bowl uh, trophy. I've got uh, the CenturyLink night um picture over here from um anthony may if you want to see that but nobody can see those things yeah but if people zoom in close enough on your forehead they can see the reflections <laughs> of those things <laughs> all right let's all go right <laughs> we'll see you next time and uh go hawks Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWSeahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. 
And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.